Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Everybody, it is Wednesday, December 31st, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here with Steve Say. Today is my anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Uh, Bob Ryer. Happy New Year. And Stephanie Cook. Hola. So this is our second of our best of 2014 shows. Oh, yeah. On this week's show, we're going to be talking best one-shot single issue, uh, best graphic novel, which they used to be one category of separating into two now because there was just too much. Um, best miniseries, best story arc, and best new series. Hot damn. So we got a lot of a lot of stuff to get through, so let's get right into it. Best one shot slash single issue. Um, obviously this covers uh, a book is just is a one off, obviously, or any part of any series could be it could be part of this as well. Um, all right, so Steve. Give us, give us your three. My three best one-shot or single issue are Afterlife with Archie, number six, New Avengers Annual, number one, and the Lois Lane one-shot. All right. Bob. Uh, Afterlife with Archie, number six. Okay. I also have the Lois Lane one-shot. Okay. And a book that came out last week, Bitch Planet, number one. Oh, boy. Bob Ooh. added Bitch Planet in. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie. Afterlife with Archie, number six. Okay. Uh, Gotham Academy, number one. Okay. And Bitch Planet, number one. Ooh. I guess I should have read Bitch Planet before. Just, oh, before. you haven't read it yet? No, I haven't read I've been reading all books for this thing. Yeah. Oh, my I haven't God. Been ages reading You've had yet. a whole month, Bobby. It's yeah. the end of Je- December. <laughs> Where have you been? I uh, know. Yeah. God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. All right. Um, Slacker. So my uh, three are... The Multiversity, Pax Americana, mm. Afterlife with Archie, number six, and uh, Ms. Marvel, number one. Oh, wow. All right. So, obviously, Afterlife with Archie, number six, is locked yes. in <laughs> at 100% um, in there. Uh, all right. So, I, I tried to write Bitch Planet here, and it's autocorrected. It's autocorrected. It, says, it said Bitch Pinet. <laughs> because that makes so much more sense. I know. Yeah, I don't know. All capital is. letters. I don't even understand what happened. What are you doing? It's programmed by a man. MacBook. <laughs> Doesn't like the word planet. <laughs> That's very weird. Uh, all right. Um, okay. <laughs> so what are our twos here? Our twos are Lois Lane one shot number one. Okay. And Bitch Planet number one. Okay. All righty. Okay. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about wild cards just so we can do those so that they might they might end up helping or hurting this situation. Okay. But mm. uh, Steve. My wild card, and this was kind of half-assed, but my wild card was uh, Batman number 35. Okay. That was the uh, the issue with uh, Batman and the Justice League, the, the new arc. Yeah, yeah, the beginning the beginning of Endgame. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know which one. That book got me. I was pumped. Mm-hmm. That was the day that uh, that one of the days that Hugh came into town. Mm-hmm. Like the first thing we said to each other, we were like Batman thirty five. <laughs> Chest bump. Um, Bob Wildcard. Nightcrawler number seven, the death of Wolverine tie-in by Chris Claremont. Mm. Okay. And Stephanie. Rocket Raccoon number one. Okay. So this is not making anything any easier. You're welcome. And what was yours? Daredevil Bobby? number five. Okay. <laughs> Which one was that? That's the Life and Death of Foggy Nelson. Oh God, yeah. Damn. Um, obviously, this is a very hard category because literally thousands and thousands of comic books come out every week. It's yeah, amazing yeah. that all of us had one of those issues. Yeah. On, on, on the list, um, all at the same time. That's an impressive book. Um, all right. So, I I, I am I'm okay with. Bitch Planet being on. I'm totally the okay list. with Bitch Planet. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's try to just get. So that's, that's a two. So let's get that on there. That'll that'll be a best. Um, all right. So that's good. Bitch Planet will be locked in. Um, and we the other two we had was Lois Lane. I guess Lois Lane number one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I mean, uh, how do we? Uh, it was you two, right? Yeah. All right. Um, that will leave us obviously with two. two uh, like to get get two out of about. 10 <laughs> yeah. one so it's going to be a little bit of a uh, a fight obviously should we leave that aside yeah for now, let's, put, just that, in let's case? put that as a maybe i'm putting this let's put it in the maybe list will, i think steve and i will definitely fight for it oh yeah yeah because remember we when we did that mm-hmm. it was i think it was just you and i that i think week. it might have been yeah it might yeah. have been that week that was so the week, you, i think yeah. you came to that even after it so yeah. that's impressive in itself <laughs> Oh, we that did, I, I wasn't that, there to, to no. speak yeah, on i think it was the bob and i episode yeah i think yeah i think you're right yeah um, but, uh, so we'll talk about Lois Lane. Let's, let's put that, we're gonna put that in the maybe category. Um, I'm gonna fight like hell for the Multiversity Pax Americana. This is where I'm gonna dig my heels All right. deep, deep, deep in, um, because it probably is my favorite of all of these uh, on, on this list. Wow. Um, I think that in a mini series of awesome one shots and, and, and issues, I think that it is... Um, incredibly intelligent. It's probably uh, it, the art is unbelievably gorgeous, and I think the fact that there's so much to get out of it, you can read it, you 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 can read it three, four, five, six times, and you're getting new stuff out of it mm-hmm. every single time. Um, and for me, for a one shot, being able to revisit it over and over again um, is one of the things I look for. You know, like right. I like just like after like Archie number six, I can read that over and over and over again. And and be enamored by it mm. because there's so much to 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 process there and and so much enjoyment you can get out of it just going one and it's also great because it in both Afterlife of Archie and this and obviously this happens with number ones too obviously because they're standalone things that you can read first mm-hmm. you're able to pick it up and read it and you can not read anything else in multiversity if you wanted to and just read that um, and, and so. The, the, it's it, it's probably my favorite issue of the year. So I I I love love that issue so so much. Um, so that's more so than Afterlife with Archie. Yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, Afterlife, it's close. Afterlife is probably my number two. Mm-hmm. Number six, probably my number two. But Multiversity Pax Americana is is probably my favorite issue of the year. Okay. Of anything. So I I'm just gonna fight for that to stay in the conversation. Um, I mean, I think we can probably cut da- we can cut our wild cards just because. No, we didn't. No one shared any any of them. So to bring right. them into the into the conversation just murkies things up. So Daredevil, Nightcrawler, and Batman can be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. uh, let's see. We still have. So that leaves us with. We have Lois Lane, the Multiversity Pax Americana, Ms. Marvel, New Avengers, Lois Lane, and Gotham Academy number one. Right. 
Are we missing any? I don't think so, right? No, no, that is it. Okay. Um, if I was going to do... Looking at this list, uh, well, you can go around and do this. If I was going to pick a five, Afterlife with Archie, Bitch Planet, uh, Lois Lane, Multiversity, and Gotham Academy, number one, would be would be the ones that I would pick. And uh, that leaves New Avengers and... And Ms. Marvel off the list. Okay. Um, that's what I meant. I bet we'll just go around and do I'm just right. saying that Now, that... New Avengers Annual was my wild, wild card. Okay, you're number would, five. Would, <laughs> right, because okay. I just so knocked out by, in the midst of that, series that was meandering all over the place that took us back to Doctor Strange. Art was amazing. Story even better, which is hard to imagine. But Frank Barbieri really killed on that one. So I... I ah, that may deserve a seat at the table. <laughs> I mean, for me, New Avengers was one of those issues that I was kind of, like you said, like I was fading in and out of that story because it was so big and because it was stretched across so many books. But when that came out, um, I mean, art-wise, it was just absolutely beautiful and ridiculous to look at. But it took Doctor Strange as a character for me to a place that I didn't know that he would venture and just opened up that character for me uh, in ways I had not. I'd read some Doctor Strange stuff previously and didn't realize that he could get that dark. Um, And it, it just, it really impressed me. It was one of those issues throughout the year that you know was set aside as a personal favorite throughout the whole year i never forgot about it where there are other things that you know could have been considered on the list that i had to actually look it up and go through stacks of things to be oh right this was here um that was one of the ones that i was like yeah so i'm just gonna just clarify because yeah. we're, we're going into we're going into smithics here obviously you both enjoyed new avengers annual more than you enjoyed gotham academy no Okay, so that's what I'm saying. You're, 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 okay, no, no, no. I just, I was just, but I'm but, enjoyed. Yeah, uh, well, I put it higher on my list. Mm-hmm. That's the, so, that's, but uh, so on that basis, I'd have to say yes. When, when I'm looking at this, this as far as the ones that are ones, mm-hmm. let, let's say, which are these these four that we're talking about: Goth, Multiversity, Gotham Academy, Ms. Marvel, and New Avengers. Um, you know, I. For me personally, I uh, Gotham Academy for me is probably number two on that list. Even above, honestly, I should probably put it on my list above Ms. Marvel, n- number one, um, for my enjoyment level of it. Um, Stephanie, why don't you talk about Gotham Academy? It was your you put it into the mix, so why don't you talk about it? Um, I mean, we've talked about it pretty extensively on the show so mm. far, but uh, it's just Miss um, Marvel, Captain Marvel, um, Captain Marvel especially really changed the game uh, for comics. They introduced a new, I mean, I don't want to say they introduced a new genre, but they kind of did in a way. And they made the publishers realize that there was more to comics than catering to uh, longtime fanboys. And Gotham Academy is this year's game changer in the sense that they're making the companies realize that, the big companies, the big two, realize that, you know, the same thing. They're making them say, oh my God, we have a market with young people. We have a market with women. We have a market with people that want to read something outside the box and something that doesn't involve Batman or Superman or anyone with capes. Um, And it was just a refreshing new look at something with new characters that we hadn't seen before in a new setting that we hadn't seen before and shown in 
an incredible way. Carl Kersel's art is astonishing. And the characters, he mean, we have Olive, we have Pommeline, we have Maps. If you don't love these characters by the end of the first issue, like, you're not reading this right. These characters are so well-developed immediately that you can't help but just want to read more about them. And Carl's layouts, the buildings themselves are characters. Each building is its own person. They just have so much life to them, and there's so much care put into everything. Um, the details, and it's one of those books that you go back, and you can just stare at and notice new things every time. Uh, plus, maps. <laughs> maps is amazing, and just... So incredibly heartwarming to see a character like that just, you know, characters like these that aren't sexualized or they're just kids being kids in a Harry Potter-esque kind of way. I love it. <laughs> if you're me the number one on that series, it establishes a world that I immediately am involved in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I immediately, I, it's a, it's a, it's a world-building exercise because I'm immediately interested in all the characters in it. And I'm, I'm immediately want to know where this story is going. Um, and because of that, as a single contained issue, it, it, it opens the door for an entire series. Um, for me, at Gotham Academy. I've struggled with this category more than any other. It's I've really had, tough. Yeah. I, I, I joked yeah. with Steve last night. We were all together mm -hmm. well, three weeks mm -hmm. ago. Two three, weeks yeah, ago? Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> and I've had 25 books on this list. Mm -hmm. And they've changed position, a lot of them, except for the top spot, which has stayed the same. In essence, I had switched out Gotham Academy for New Avengers Annual, having reread it last week. But now hearing this discussion, well, I mean, I, 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 we were talking about New Avengers, so I put up for it. But I mean, you asked me before mm. which would I put above, and mm. the answer to that is definitely Gotham Academy, because, um, like I said, with the the whole Doctor Strange thing, that was just for me personally that it opened up the character for me. If you want to bring math into it, you're talking about you know being opened up to one character versus being up opened up to an entire world of characters. Mm -hmm. I would put the world of characters before a single character anytime. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing to me is just like, that's a great issue. The new Avengers issue is great. And oh, again, this wonderful. is what we're talking about. My yeah. of greatness right here. Yeah. When I look at this, I think you can read new Avengers annual number one without having re be reading new Avengers, but you can't really read new Avengers annual number one. If you have no idea anything yes. about those characters you know it would be utterly confusing to you yeah i mean you're, it, you're definitely entering the story in entering into the story and into the character with there having been a bunch of like there's the reason that you're even reading that story mm -hmm. there's so much to why he's there and what he's doing that without that previous knowledge you mo will most likely get lost mm -hmm. so look i'm okay with these four being locked in right now and let's see how we feel about this mm -hmm. afterlife with archie bitch planet lois lane and Gotham Academy number one. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with those four. Again, I'm gonna my I am incredibly passionate about the multiversity Pax Americana. Um, it's really comes down to the multiversity Pax Americana versus New Avengers Annual because the other other one that's left out right now is Ms. Marvel, and that was mine, and I'm willing to jettison that mm -hmm. in order to fight for the multiversity. Now, as much as I loved it for for whatever this argument mm -hmm. is worth, I like number two even more than number one. Gotcha. And and yeah. they also sort of. They're together mm -hmm. as one larger story. Because that ends with her getting her powers. Mm -hmm. So it's almost a, it's its own little mini arc. One and Ms. Oh, Marvel I see what you're one saying. and two. Yeah, Miss Marvel one and two. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. 
I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I'm 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 putting Ms. Marvel away to, to fight for the multiversity Pax Americana because I just think it's an achievement in single issue storytelling. Mm-hmm. I I think that it plays off of two universes, the original Charlton characters and the Watchmen. But you don't need to have read either one of those mm-hmm. things to partake in the multiversity. Um, I think it's, like I said, extremely intelligent and extremely beautiful to, to look at. Yeah. Um, and, and it just it bended my mind for like two weeks. Like I had to reread it like four or five times. It could be read backwards, forwards, and sideways. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, I, I'll go. Why is it looking at me now? I got to look at yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have the, the passion for I, I agree with everything you said. Mm-hmm. But with with all of that said, I don't have the fire for Pax Americana. Mm-hmm. For me, I really didn't put together that it was like a Watchmen-esque type of situation until after I'd read it and after speaking with everybody about it. Um, I don't think that it's as reader-friendly as you're proposing that it is. The density of it, the way that it does warp your mind and... The present, the the way that it was written. I mean, I was confused. Well, I was, yeah, absolutely. But the, the thing about it is, like, it's meant to be read multiple times, right? Yeah. No, as a as like a, as something that you would study, like if you were teaching a course on, and I'm sure they might even already be doing this. If somebody <laughs> isn't doing it, here's your idea: mm-hmm. if you're teaching, like, you know, how to dissect comics or even just social commentary or whatever. Um, that's something that you can take that comic and, and turn it upside down, sideways, and, and find so many things within it. I have a lot of respect for it, but in full admittance, it completely went over my head. Um, so that's why I just I, I agree with everything you're saying about it. I respect that you have the passion for it. I just personally don't have that fire. But then again, if you're putting it up against Ms. Marvel, um, I agree with Bob that the second issue really kind of caps that beginning and defines that character and again ms marvel is elsewhere for me um in other categories um i mean i would be okay with pax americana um i just don't know where it would fall on my my voting uh, well that's fine yeah. i mean again we're not we're not voting yet right we're just, this is mm-hmm. the only thing is like i feel like i am more passionate about pax americana being on the list mm-hmm. than let's say new avengers being on the list for you i feel like that's probably yeah. like your second or third Oh, absolutely, uh, yeah, list, oh, and, yeah. and that's Mexico is my is my absolute number one. Yeah, um, no, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm okay. Okay, so and Stephanie's not going to complain because all hers already on there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you made all three on there. Stephanie. I don't know, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me put my Pax Americana has no cats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are no cats in Pax Americana. Action um, cat number one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, are locked in Afterlife with Archie number six, Bitch Planet number one. Mm-hmm. Lois Lane one shot, Gotham Academy number one, and the Multiversity Pax Americana. Good luck voting, yeah. you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Best graphic novel. Oh god. Oof. This is a category right here. <laughs> this yeah. is one of those categories. This was this was harder than any other year for this category. Yes. It was a crazy year. This was my hardest category to lock down yeah. entirely. I'd been I've been pawing over this for weeks. Yeah. Not me. I only put down twelve titles. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna fight for all twelve. So you gotta deal with it. Um, all right, so Bob, why don't you go first? I will start with something I said when we first talked about it on the show: Zatanna, Black Canary, Blood Spells. Okay. Seconds. Okay. And Levy Megalopolis. All right, Stephanie. I've got in real life. Okay. Through the woods. Okay. And the rise of Aurora West. Okay. Oh boy. 
All right, Steve. I have Through the Woods. Okay. Sing No Evil. Okay. And Black Canary and Zatanna Bloodspell. Really? Yes. I w- I'm really surprised neither of you put seconds uh, on your list. Really, really surprised. I had it on one of my it's, 12. It's my wild card. I'm just, I'm surprised. I just, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not a bad thing. I was just very surprised. Mm-hmm. So my top three are seconds, um, love bunglers, and through the woods. I thought you were just going to say seconds. Seconds. Yeah. And seconds. <laughs> that is automatically in there. And you have through the woods? Through the woods, yes. Okay. Through the woods mm-hmm. would be my wild card. So I think we should. Okay, let's go through the wild cards. Let's go through the wild cards, okay. Steve, wild card. Seconds. Seconds, okay. Um, Because we had no threes yet, right? Through the Woods was all three of you. Oh, it was. So that's on for sure. Through the Woods is locked in. All right. I would be okay with seconds also being on there. Is that also your... So, okay, seconds, okay. I have... I, honest to God, have like 10,000 I know, I have a million of them too. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to put my vote force behind that because... Okay. So through the woods and seconds are locked in. All I, right. I want to put in for uh, in real life. Well, in real, I think, yeah. Okay, go ahead, Stephanie. Sorry, go ahead. I think it's one of the most important comics that's come out this year, especially for young women uh, and gamers. Uh, it definitely it, it gives you this feeling of you're not alone, and uh, if you do feel alone, there's communities out there uh, where you can find a place to belong. Um, and it, it kind of is just this great story that tells you how you can be a good person in these worlds that are so bogged down with negativity and um, the the art, the story, everything about it is beautiful. I mean, in real life yep. was my wild card, just so okay. we, we can put that out look, there. Um, Bob, go ahead. Look, I... I have to tell you with complete honesty, I went into this with a really sour attitude. Mm-hmm. Not being a gamer, not it just mm-hmm. oh, I don't even want to read this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And came out of it completely different. The opening essays, the closing bits, uh, what it's actually about, where it goes to, as Stephanie's talking about, as well as the social implications of the things within the story, jobs that are underpaid or exploitation of workers and all these other things. It's all these wonderful sidebars told through this charming, wonderful story of a girl who becomes a hero. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's about, right, it's it's also about the multi-levels of bullying. Yes. You know, it's about the fact that the, the, this girl feels like an outcast in her school where she is treated relatively badly, you know, and it's about her her parents understanding her in a lot of ways, but it's also about even the people within her own community, that one, the girl, mm-hmm. she's a bully, right? She, yeah. she, she wants, the, she likes the power that she has, she wants to keep it, so she's willing to put down other people, mm-hmm. but it's it, it's also about how through understanding, about trying to understand people, you, you can you, you lose that feeling of um, anger, and and once you start to, you you reach out a hand and you start understanding what other people are going through, and you you leave the petty stuff behind, and you, and you realize when the only thing that's making you put someone down or be angry at them is because you fear a, you losing some power that you have that things can be a lot better. You know, it happens with their parents too. Mm-hmm. You know, once they kind of realize yes. what's happening with her, they understand like this is, we have, we, we might not understand how she does what she does and why she does what she does, but we do understand that what she's doing is for the, is for good. She's helping people. So we have to leave by the fact that it's not, it's not our thing, but we can understand it. You know, and I think that, um, 
it, it has a, a lot of important things to say, whether or not, like you said, Bob, not a gamer, don't know that world at all, mm-hmm. but it's universal in those things. Yes. It obviously, it deals, and, and like Stephanie was saying, especially this year, where bullying, especially in the games community, has been such a huge issue and such a horrible issue happening. I do think it's a very important book. So I deserve, I think it deserves at least to stay in the conversation mm-hmm. at this point. And I think it's, it's, it's close to being a, 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 on, that, on that list. Uh, how, how many mean, votes do we have? I think we're... We have, two, we have one vote for on, on the top three. And with my vote for the wild card, it has two. So I think it deserves to stay there and is very okay. close. Um, I don't know, Bob, I don't know what you, you, what you think. Of, I know you liked it. Yeah, I, yeah, I would not be averse to having it on the list. Steve, what do you think? I just want to know what you think. I'm I'm comfortable with it mm-hmm. being on the list. We don't have to lock it in yet, but I just want to yeah. get everybody's a survey we'll a, of us. We'll no, put a star I, I mean, on it yeah. For now. yeah. I think because of because of all the you know all the things that you mentioned, and I I'd made the mistake of making it a part of my uh, lightning round as opposed to my book of the week when I had spoken about it. But um, yeah, I mean, it it had a, a pretty big impact on me as well. Um, growing up in that community, and I mean, not. Not for the same reasons that the character mm. in the book or anything, but I've tried getting into, you know, online communities. I have, I have a real like I'm behind a microphone when we're doing this, and I'm you know with people that I love and people that I trust and stuff like that, and so it's okay. And there's kind of this little veil or wall, but I am horrible when it comes like socially and stuff like that. Like I clam up, I don't know what to talk about, and all these things. So the online community has been one of those things where I really thought that I could embrace it. And early on when that stuff was really taking off, I tried to get involved and was just shut out at every turn, trying to play WoW and just getting into groups of just nasty people and just trying to be polite and being, you know, a nice guy and trying to be involved and nobody was having any of it. Um, Not to mention the really important issues that that book deals with using that as a platform Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that the book speaks on so many, like we talk about books with messages and you focus down on one message and you're like, it says this, this book has multi-tiered messages. There, there Mm -hmm. are several things to take away from it. Um, and I think for the fact that it is like a, like a Swiss army knife of knowledge about different communities and such that I'm totally comfortable with it being on this list. Um, okay, we want, do we, we want to lock it in? What do you think? I'm for it. Steph? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've, we've got three locked in. Now we have two left. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I, I could fight for the Love Bunglers. Um, I'm not going to because I feel like it, I'm going to – I know Steve has read it and enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I think I had a much stronger reaction to it than Steve did. Um, I, I, I think that what it stands out to me about is that all of these are fantastic books. Um, and – Again, I, I feel like like we were talking about. There's such a good year for this mm-hmm. that things move up and down the list at like at like yes. will. You know, it's like right. how you feel that day is moving things up and down your list. But for me, the Love Bunglers, Love Bunglers is interesting because it's not a book that deals with any sort of superheroics, anything supernatural, anything. You know, like in real life is close there too. But obviously, it, even though it's not real, it's dealing with the fantasy life of virtual uh, world. Uh, right. Virtual world. Right. Yeah, Love Bunglers is. Very much slice of life, dealing with a character, you know, pretty much from her youth to, her, to the time she's older, and the effects she has on people, and the way people interact with each other, and the way little things in life can can change the course of your entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaime Hernandez, Love and Rockets, very obviously very famous mm-hmm. for that very long running series, uh, does something subtle here, you know, something that I think is something that sticks with you, something that. 
um, it, it informs on life in a way that even if you don't quite relate to exactly what's happening in it, you can see things about your life and people, loved ones' lives in those moments, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there are big moments. Obviously, there, there, there is a... Um, you know, a, a kid who is being, you know, sodomized as, as a child. And that leads to obviously a very mm. big difference in, in their lives. But there are also just little things, you know, moving away from your best friend and how, you know, a letter being lost in the mail or not easily or not returned right away can lead one person to thinking that th- the person that they're talking to doesn't care about them anymore when actually it's just a weird circumstance, you know, a- and you get the other person's perspective on that issue and it's a t- totally different thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the way that p- this person moving out of a town can affect a town, you know, it's the way they affect art, the way they can affect everything. And that little stuff that the it pulls out there was very impressive to me that it was as engaging to me as reading about, you know, a great warrior or anything like that. That that was what stood about me about the Love Bunglers, you know, 100% right. that it was that type of book. Um, and I just, even if it's on the list, I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to, mm-hmm. to get right. my piece on it because I feel like, People should read it, even if it's not on the the five that we lock in. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going around for yeah, other books? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. All right. Um, I definitely want to put my word in for Sing No Evil uh, by J.P. Ahonen and K.P. Allaire. Um, granted, I totally recognize that it's a book that has so many things about it that are catered specifically to <laughs> me. Um, the tool references, it being about music and all of that stuff. Um, but for me, it's so, so, so much more than that. Not only is it absolutely beautiful, there are whole sections of that book that just transported me away into, into places unknown. But, um, conceptually, if for those that, that don't remember or don't know, uh, Signal Weevil is about a band and uh, basically a band trying to keep it together and make it. Uh, and their lead singer slash guitarist happens to tap into uh, ancient tablatures that, when played correctly, uh, taps into otherworldly or supernatural abilities. And um, the book deals very heavily in music theory, and not just necessarily music theory, but ancient forgotten uh, approaches to music and what music means um, to society, to the way that the world, the way the the rivers flow, like all of those things. It's all this giant algorithm throughout the world. Um, we're all big, passionate people when it comes to music. I mean, we talk mm-hmm. about comics, mm-hmm. but everyone here, you know, we all love the music that we love. And when you listen to that real that one band or that one song or that one album that you just you shut your eyes and you get carried away, this book does that and taps directly into that emotion and that feeling, that that elation that you get, and puts it onto the page and tells an incredible story while doing so. Mm-hmm. Um I I will would love to see it make it onto this list if for any reason that it doesn't. Uh, if you're a fan of music or just love really great stories, uh, you totally need to check it out. I love it. It's probably my second favorite of the year. Um, but, you know, I would like to see what other people have to say. One thing I never, I didn't mention, I think, when you talked about this book the first time, there's a, I guess, not so famous anymore. There's an H.P. Lovecraft story called The Music of Eric Zahn, mm-hmm. where a fellow moves into an odd building in, in Paris and he hears this music from upstairs. And he goes up the stairs and finds this 
deaf mute fellow playing the, these odd things on the violin and frenzied odd signatures and what it is basically he plays the violin to stop the Lovecraftian monsters from coming through the other yeah. side that creates a barrier that way so I, I'm yeah. sure it, it taps into some of that too well I mean it's not just about the music it's about the the relationships and and that when you're I mean I've, I've had bands in the past that when you are a part of a band you know everybody needs to be on the same page if you all have different aspirations you're never going to make it and a lot of this book is about keeping that together while trying to harness this magic that that he's tapped into and wanting to make it a part of his music and um, it also deals with another band that's using the ancient magics in a in a terrible way um but it's it's just it's a very very personal thing that i think that anybody that is very passionate about music can re it'll really tap into you and and if you haven't read it you'd be surprised i can tell you i think that we are kind of it's weird i think we're kind of like these two books we just talked about i think we're just like swapped on because mm -hmm. i read about half of sing no evil yeah and i liked it but mm -hmm. i didn't connect with it okay i think it's the same way like you read love bunglers and you really liked it but you know that connection with it and I'm, i feel the same way about sing no evil mm -hmm. um it's very good um, and I can definitely see why you, you are so into it. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Not just those things. I mean, it's a very well-written book, you know, and it's one of those things where it doesn't, um, it doesn't connect with me that way. So that's why I feel like... Mm -hmm. It's I'm, just so different. It's very yeah. different, yeah. Well, can I throw something out there? Absolutely. Okay. It's the outlier in all this and that it's the actual superhero thing. Mm -hmm. It's Paul Dini and Joe Canonis' mm -hmm. Zatanna Black Canary, which Steve had on his list. Yep. I did, too. And Stephanie had as her book of the week... Mm -hmm when right, the book yeah. first came out. So what do you think, Steph? I would add it. I had it under miniseries for some reason. So <laughs> I mean, I'm totally fine with Zatanna, Black Canary, Bloodspell yeah, being that was on this my, list. Yeah, that was my third pick. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Do it! Yeah, put it on okay. there. Absolutely. <laughs> it was very close on my list as well. I think it's fantastic. Um, uh, so, um, I mean, that leaves us with Leaving Megalopolis, The Rise of Aurora West, and Sing No Evil uh, as, the, as the final three. I haven't read Aurora West. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like the only person on the planet who didn't care for Battling Boy. Right. Um, so what was the other one? Um, Leaving Megalopolis. I really enjoyed Leaving Megalopolis. My only thing with that is that I really wanted more from it. I, I, I feel like it kind of left me hanging. Mm -hmm. And I really intense, really good, really like in the moment kind of book. But then I, I felt like somebody had kind of just pulled the rug out from under my feet at the end and left me with like, but mm. what about all of this that's going on? Like, well, what it seems like more is coming. Is it? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, they left it off with like, this is like the first all volume right. in something. With without without having that, mm -hmm. I don't know that I can I can throw my whole weight behind it against something like mm -hmm. Sing No Evil, mm -hmm. which meant so much more to me, even though Leaving Megalopolis was a, a hell of a read. Right. No. Um, Go ahead. I, I, just, I just read it this, mm -hmm. this week, Megalopolis, mm -hmm. and I loved it. I thought it was great. And it's funny because um, it, it's, it's the only one, like, obviously we have three um, books that are not superhero books that are focused on kind of different ways of storytelling and I think are very, very emotionally affecting in their own ways, all different emotions. Um, and then we have Zatanna, Black Canary Bloodspell, which I feel like is these two characters who are not very well represented in the mainline DC universe mm -hmm. Getting to come back and just be themselves again, which is like a very breath of fresh air. 
Leaving Megalopolis is very interesting because it's a totally new story, obviously, superhero-focused, and it's doing, like you said, the superhero deconstruction thing. Um, it's, to me, the most traditional of the books that we're, we're speaking Absolutely. about in, in just that mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's playing off themes that we're very, very used to seeing. It, I mean, but the thing about it is, and this is one of those things where, we talk about this sometimes, right, where it's not always about being wildly different. It's about being able to do the things that other people do really, really well. And I feel like Gail Simone, um, and I can't ever say his last name. Jim Calafiore. Calafiore. Uh, do a fantastic job of taking a concept which I'm frankly sick of. I'm mm-hmm. sick of superhero deconstruction. And not really, it's there, but it's not really about that. You know, it, it's, it's those survivors. It's about the it's survivors. It's Dawn of the Dead kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about these group of people who are trying to make their way through. And this woman who, I mean, you know from the first page, I mean, we're going to be spoiling some stuff while we talk about this, yeah. obviously, because we're going to be talking about um, deep stuff. But woman who, obviously, she's, you know, she's stolen a cop uniform and people think she's a cop. You know, so she's acting, but not like a cop, but she's kind of taking on a leadership role unwillingly. And her, her mystery and the mystery of the other characters, I think really works very well against this constant danger that for once is not zombies. It's it's these insane superheroes yeah. who are basically just like who have gone completely insane, right? The, they're all they're just murdering people yeah, left possessed, and possessed, however it happens, whatever yeah. you want to call what went down there. Yeah. And they they but it's not just like random horribleness, right? There there is a vile sort of underlying nastiness to what mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, and I thought that that all that picture was was very well painted compared to what we usually get, which is kind of like superhero deconstructing superheroes. Usually, like oh, they were a hero, and now they just you know they've been worn down by life, and now they're just you know they're they're not so good anymore. You know that's kind of like what happened. <laughs> they've gone crabby. Yeah, this is like a very different thing, right? And, and I really did enjoy that. Um, uh, I will say too, you know, th- the rise of Aurora West. Um, I liked Battling Boy. I was I did not love Battling Boy. And I love the rise of Aurora West. I felt like it was a much more relatable and interesting story because it dealt with a character who was more human on the level and was dealing with a very in the in her face, very understandable mystery, which was what happened to my mother, mm-hmm. you know. And because of that, I felt like you were seeing it through her eyes, and you were seeing the different ways that it's almost like the Batman Robin relationship in a lot of ways, but from the very inside of it, you know, what what it means. What ex- what exactly does it break down to when there's this amazing superhero or, or crime fighter? I'd say not superhero because he has no superpowers. He's a science hero. How, how does he do what he does? And getting inside of that, I thought was really interesting. I thought the art was great in that book as well. Um, it was very tough for me to choose between Megapolis and, and Aurora West. I think they're both excellent for different reasons. Hmm. Um, because and but both do the same thing too. Both end with you want to see what what happens next. You know. Right now, uh, Steph. Hello. You could explain some of Battling Boy to me, which I only sort of glanced through. I, I read Aurora West and really loved it, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Very retro, very mm-hmm. sort of uh, the old Monkey Man and O'Brien that Art Adams did, very much into sort of the Go Girl or uh, Molly Danger sort of mm-hmm. idea of a young girl becoming a hero. But mm-hmm. it did sort of end in a way that it is definitely something coming next. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. definitely I, a chapter in an ongoing as mm. opposed to a standalone. Right, yeah. Is that how Battling Boy came Battling out? I suspect that Battling Boy and Aurora West will alternate. So yeah. the next uh, graphic novel will be like volume two of Battling Boy and then it'll come back to 
uh, Aurora West because I think Battling Boy Paul Pope exclusively worked on. Yes. Whereas um, someone else uh, worked on Aurora West with him. Am I? Yeah. David Rubin. And yeah. JT Petty. I yeah. Think his name is. I don't think Battling. I don't think uh, Paul Pope didn't do anything on Aurora West. It's just like his universe. Okay. Yeah. Just a concept. Yeah. His, based on his idea. Yes. Um, yeah. I. You know, I liked Battling Boy a lot. Obviously, I talked about it, but. Uh, I could see how it wouldn't be for everybody. Uh, Aurora West, I think, is a lot more accessible. And like Bobby said, he pretty much summed it up. It, it's just a great story about a girl that, you know, has limitations, but she's trying to figure out uh, the things she wants to figure out in the best way and the only way she knows how uh, in the shadow of her father. Uh, but obviously her dad, like, he... he Parents are protective of their kids, and he doesn't want her doing those things. So she has to, you know, have like an alter ego to her alter ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think it's really fascinating. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I don't want to. I, I was wrong. It says written by J.T. Petty and Paul Pope, so I don't want to discount what Paul Pope. Did well, it might be that it was his concept. Yeah, yes. But, um, and then, but yeah, yeah, or maybe he consulted or something. Yeah, it doesn't spell mm-hmm. it out in the book, so I don't want to speak mm-hmm. without, without knowing that. Um. Yeah, so for me, I, I think it's interesting because I think that Aurora West and Megalopolis have um, very have similarities, you know, in, in that way. They're both kind of first parts of multi-layered things. They both do riffs on on um, uh, on well-worn concepts. Uh, for me, probably, I think Aurora West to me is the one that I I connected with more because I think that world is very interesting. It's very because I, I don't know too much about it, even mm-hmm. you know. Aurora West takes place before Battling Boy. So, we, you know, the, the, basically the beginning of Battling Boy, um, uh, Haggard West is dead. He, he gets killed. And so this is like wh- how you see kind of the lead up to that. And mm-hmm. I thought that was very, very interesting to do that here. Um, so, I mean, that's I would be fine with either Megalopolis or Aurora West being on there. Um, but I will say this. I don't feel nearly as passionate about either of those as obviously Steve feels about Sing No Evil. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm pretty sure Steve feels even more passionate about seeing no evil than I feel about love bunglers. So I, I yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say for me personally, because of that passion, I would rather see seeing no evil on there than a book that is kind of third or, or whatever, uh, or fourth on my list. But that's just, okay. me. that's just me. So that, no, that, that right, that's leaving Megalopolis is third on my list. Right. So yeah. All right. I'm that's just me. Yeah. Stephanie, I don't know what you think. Yeah. I mean, I've got my things that I really wanted to fight for on here. So. Right. So let, let's close it out with Sing No Evil. Awesome. As, as the number five. Yeah. Uh, that is not how I thought that was going to go <laughs> at all. So what our nominees are Through the Woods, Seconds, In Real Life, Zatanna Black Canary Blood Spells, and Sing No Evil. Okay. I can go home now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You can't go home yet. We have Best Miniseries to get to now. Um, all right. So I'll go first on this one. Uh, my three are Multiversity, Winter Soldier, The Bitter March, and Forever Evil. Those are my three for best miniseries. All right. Bob, what do you got for us? I have Multiversity. All right. Uh, Star Trek, Holland Olsen, City on the Edge of Forever. And Legends of Red Sonja. Steve. I have Alex and Ada. Okay. Sheltered. Okay. And Hellboy in Hell. All right. Stephanie. I didn't have a lot of stuff on here. <laughs> um, I had 
the way because the second half came out this we this we year. nominated it last year so it can't be nominated this year why because we said i said that last year i said if we nominated this year it can't be nominated as, like Ugh, the best mini malarkey <laughs> i had this very conversation with you and you're like well, that's I've fine you got nothing <laughs> i had black canary and satana on here for oh. some reason because i think we i think i was thinking miniseries and graphic novel were one. Oh, okay listen i, I got nothing i'm sorry i'm an idiot <laughs> Sorry, we'll take them. Okay. <laughs> um, so what do we got? We, what twos do we have here? Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. Go wait. Stephanie. Did we nominate Trillium last year? No, we did not. I'll say Trillium. Okay. That was when we left off because we, we were still waiting to see how it turned out. All right. So do we have any twos, Bob? Multiversity. Okay. So I think that's the only two. Should probably go on there, I'd mm-hmm. say. Right, so let's lock that in. Um... All right, so what else? Okay, let's go through wild cards. I know Stephanie obviously doesn't have a wild card, but... <laughs> um, Bob? Winter Soldier, Bitter March. Okay. My wild card was Sheltered. Okay. And Steve? Pretty Deadly. Pretty Deadly. That's not a miniseries. That's ongoing. Is it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, then. We decided yeah, that last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. We argued that for a long <laughs> yeah. time. Um, well, my other wild card was the Multiversity, so... Okay. Okay. Okay, that's fine, though. So Multiversity is locked in. Um, I would say... Win- I'm fine with Winter Soldier... And sheltered, yeah. I uh, those sheltered. all have two. Those two votes, right? Those, those yep. all have two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's do that. Um, sheltered is ridiculously good, and I, I love that. I read. I, I just read the first part of it. I'm going to give you the rest. Yeah, tonight. I want. I want the rest of it because I loved it. I loved what I read. Yeah. Um, really fantastic stuff. Um, so that leaves us with uh, Forever Evil, uh, Legends of Red Sonia, Star Trek, Hellboy in Hell, and Trillium, and Alex and Ada. Alex and Ada, mm-hmm. sorry. I'm sorry. Um, let's you see. better be. Plus Ada. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, I mean, this goes for Sheltered as well, obviously, because it's not done yet. Mm-hmm. If these get nominated this year for this, they cannot be nominated in any previ- any any future years uh, okay. for Best Miniseries. Uh, so, um, we've got Forever Evil, Legends of Red Sonja, uh, Star Trek, Harlan Ellison's City on the Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Edge of Forever. Damn it! <laughs> was so close More than to meets the, the eye. Getting that whole name <laughs> right. Um, Hellboy in Hell, uh, Trillium, and Alex and Ada. Um, so I mean, look, I want to, uh, Steve. Let's 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 have you campaign. We have th- we have two spots for for these set of. of All rooms. right. Um, Hellboy in Hell is. I mean, if you've if you've visited the Magnoliaverse and the Hellboy universe, um, you kind of know what to expect. But uh, in the bits and pieces that I've read, Hellboy in Hell has been one of the most polished gems of that universe. It has this extraordinary kind of Shakespearean, uh, like Macbeth kind of vibe to it. The artwork is just spectacular. All of the reasons that you love Hellboy, you love the colors, you love the darkness, you love the creatures, and all of that Lovecraftian stuff, all of it is there. Um, it's inherently creepy and just it ta- it puts you in the shoes of, of Hellboy in hell, where he came from, kind of dealing with his demons and dealing with being back home and is a shining example of his character, of how we're always talking about, regardless of his heritage, he's always trying to do the right thing, and he's just trying to get out of there, because more so than ever, that's not where he's supposed to be. 
and you get that feeling from him as you're reading through that book that regardless of, you know, they say, oh, you can never get away from who you are and where you came from. He is constantly making strides to get away from that. And Hellboy in Hell is one of those stories where he's just trying to remove himself from being associated with all of that darkness. And I, th- I think it's a great book. Mm. Look, you're never going to, f- I haven't read it yet. You're mm-hmm. never going to get a fight for me when it comes to anything that has the word Hellboy mm-hmm. in, in the title. I, I would believe 100% that it is a fantastic book. Um, you know, the thing about it is, like, I have Forever Evil on here. I, I don't... I, I, I love it. I think that it was the best event I've seen in a really long time. See Tanning Me Hellboy in Hell, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to read it. Uh, but I, I understand that in this, in this company... I, I do not have the passion for it that other people are going to have for the other books mm-hmm. that are in this comedy. So I'm going to take Forever Evil out of the equation okay. uh, here. Um, Bob, why don't you... Well, similarly then, despite the fact that I thought it was one of the better pieces of science fiction I've read in a very long time, even though I've read this previously, Harlan Ellison's Star Trek book, no one else has read. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in... L- I, I could. It would be very hard for me to convince anyone. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the... but, but, tell, but I want to... Uh, yeah, I, I want to hear, hear why. It. What here is? It's a story about what we always talk about responsibility. In this case, it's about someone who's willing to give up an entire universe for love, and having to make those choices that are very tough. Do you can you fight your way through the changes that might come? I don't want to spoil this too much, even though it's a fifty-year-old mm. television show. It what was aired was much different than what was written. And some of what Mr. Ellison wrote was probably not going to work on series television in 1966. Some of what it got jettisoned, though, would have. And that original ending might have deepened Jim Kirk's character more than what was shown on television. They're both valid and equally so. So those who are familiar with the episode know that there is something that has to change to put things back. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'm trying to be coy here, and mm-hmm. I don't think I'm succeeding at all. No, you're doing fine. But it was a J.K. Woodward's painted artwork captures the likenesses beautifully. It is touching and poignant. The words are amplified by that artwork, and the words were pretty strong to begin with. Mm-hmm. Re- you know, reading them as a film script and trying to picture it, now seeing it on the page in front of me really changed my opinion of all the things I used to carp about. It just did not bother me anymore well uh, let me ask you a question too about it i mean obviously you're you're a giant star trek man mm-hmm. one of the biggest uh, maybe the biggest i've ever met do you think independent obviously this is like a, a totally into intellectual exercise because you enjoy because you enjoy it and there's no reason to qualify it but other than us talking about you know picking what we think <laughs> the best of the year is do you think if you weren't as big of a star trek fan as you are that it would have the same effect no, definitely not. Now, to someone who doesn't know anything about these characters beyond the cultural reference point of everyone knows who Jim Kirk and Mr. Spock are, because that's who the story centers on. This is not a Starfleet sh- story, though mm-hmm. the ship is there and whatever. It is about those two characters interacting on an Earth of the 1930s. Mm-hmm. So in and of itself, you don't need to have all the techno babble that goes with the Star Trek story to get this. It's just a beautiful piece of science fiction. Right. Right, right, right. Um, I mean, Stephanie, obviously you brought one to the table. You brought Trillium to the table. I want to hear your, your your reasons. Um, I just think it was a really unique comic. It took a, a really kind of highbrow concept, you know, uh, where two stories from opposite 
ends of time come together to meet. And Jeff Lemire, you know, when we were picking these up in single issues, I just remember our talks about it where we were like, whoa, this is just like blowing my mind, man. It's like we're high. Um, and, you know, you'd turn out, you had to turn over the comic and uh, each story, you know, took place on opposite ends of the book and then worked its way to complete uh, that issue in the middle. And that's just such a crazy way to tell a story. And it was just a really interesting take. And um, somebody pointed this out on Twitter, and I don't recall who, but um, they they said that Jeff Lemire has managed to draw people uh, the way that you're feeling about them. Like he draws feelings as opposed to people mm. and faces. Like everything you see evokes emotion and reaction. And I think that's so apt for um, – exactly what he does. Like, it just makes sense to me. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, Trillium wasn't uh, amazing. I mean, it wasn't my favorite thing ever, but it was just such a really cool concept that was um, a, a really unique way to look at comics. And I think that experimenting um, and trying new things is the way that comics will continue to stay fresh and interesting and won't get stale to us. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm, 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 there's no bigger fan of Jeff Lemire in the world than me. And I, I think that it was, it was, I rank it, I don't rank it against other comics, I rank it against other stuff that he's done mm-hmm. that has been some of my favorite stuff in the world. And for me, it wasn't his his best work. And I think a lot, I think that damaged it in my mind. But I will say, I agree with Stephanie, I think on, on an artistic and a design level, I think it's absolutely, the, it's the best thing he's ever done because it's dealing, it, artwork took a, a, a step up I think in that book, mm-hmm. um, and I also think that the design is is something to be lauded. I think that it, it, you put it, put it together and and to work as a giant story spanning centuries and generations. I think I think it's I think that's amazing. Um, I don't think it had the emotional punch that some of his other work has had, and that's the first thing I look at with his stuff. Uh, but I do still think um, that that it's that, that, it, that it's a great piece of work. Um, this is a tough one, right? Because we have four, and it's because we're all kind of. On islands with with the, with the 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 four that are left here, I think. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek: Legends of Red Sonia, Alex and Ada, and Trillium. Uh, I don't really have a, a dog left in, in in this fight, so it's tough for me to fight. I mean, I would go for Trillium just because I, I of these left, it's the one that I have the most connection with. But I want to mm. hear you know what we're, what we're thinking as a group here. So, Steve. Um. Okay. So. Alex and Ada, I mean, you're talking, Bob was talking about great science fiction stories and, you know, you're talking about emotional gut punches. Um, everybody, you know, we all have a laugh of Luna me Boy. being, oh yeah, Luna Boy and being <laughs> yeah. a Luna Brothers fan. But, you know, all of that stuff aside, uh, Alex and Ada, I just think is a really, really beautiful story of a very lonely person um, being afforded the opportunity to be with someone who will kind of cater to his loneliness and and be all that he needs to be because he can make her that way. And rather it be a story about somebody who's trying to craft um, this android into his perfect woman, he then makes a choice to seek out uh, the means to give her her own life. And he wants her to be her own person. 
And if she, if they are going to be in love, he wants it to be real. He doesn't want it to be something that's programmed. Um, and I just think that concept alone is inspiring mm-hmm. and beautiful. And I like the world that it's set in. Um, sometimes people have said that the you know Lunar Brothers art could be kind of barren. Um, I think for the world that they're trying to create with this story specifically, that it's set in the future. And it's set in a in a world where everything is very regimented and everything's supposed to look a certain way and everything's supposed to be clean and in line and stuff like that. That it's oddly fitting um, and kind of gives you this sensation that there's this, um, like, whoever's in charge or whoever is, like, the, the police are a very big part of this. The government is a very big part of this because they're cracking down on the fact that these androids can be hacked and can kind of weave their way into society. And a few of the models in the past have kind of um, lost control of themselves and have caused damage and such. So you're living in this this paranoid world where androids are becoming integrated with society and, and they're trying to put a stop to it. So you're put in this position where you care about these two characters and you care about Ada specifically and you're with her every step of the way and you're watching her learn and become this person and so you it's very endearing and you become very attached to them you want to see them make it and the idea that at any point somebody could betray them somebody could knock on the door or they could just be out and and her her little symbol on her wrist isn't exposed or something that at any moment any issue somebody can come along and take all of that away from them and you've been a fly on the wall the whole time. Um, there have just been so many high points in the series of watching them develop as a couple and watching them overcome everyday things that we as humans and as couples take for granted that to watch them overcome these things, that pit in your stomach where you feel that at any moment you could turn the page and so- and something will happen that will take them away from one another uh, I've been feeling that every issue all year that this has been out and other comics um, have not done that for me. And a science fiction story of man falls in love with a robot has been done many, many times. This time it has been done in an increasingly effective way. Um, and I mean, I used to do the reviews I said at the beginning I was going to mm-hmm. do them all and I totally dropped the ball on it. But the ideas that I was able to extract and the themes that I was able to play with in those reviews just from the couple of pages of each issue were really kind of thought-provoking and astonishing for me as a, as a writer um, and as somebody who reads comics every day. I, I read the first five issues, mm-hmm. um, and my only, and I think it's very good, but my only debate against Alex and Ada right now this year in this category is I feel like it starts off very slowly to mm-hmm. me. And it's 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 a it's a ramp up to get to the point in what what you're talking about where you start to really connect. Oh yeah, with those characters, and I think that when it's done, it's 15 issues. Yes, so it'll be done next this this uh, 2015. Early this year, yeah, yeah, it'll be done. I I think for me it belongs more possibly on a, a, a list next year than on this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be it's going to be better served being a complete story. I'm gonna be a mess when that thing ends um, because I feel like. I, I read the first five issues, and I got to tell you, the first four issues, I was like, I don't know about this. Like, I'm not feeling any connection. Mm-hmm. You know? And then the fifth issue, it started to blossom for me, mm-hmm. right? 
And, and, and so I feel like once it's a whole thing, once it's 15 issues together, I think it's going to read excellently. But mm-hmm. for me, for 2014, I think that for me, about half of it was not was not that engaging thing. It was a buildup to be engaging. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's, that's why I, for me personally, I, I can't put my weight behind it this year. Well, it's like I said, like with the the idea of it being very intimate mm-hmm. is like you need that buildup you need to get close and Mm. i i hear what you're saying i mean i will totally in the the interest of moving things along i can definitely see saving it for next i'll just nominate it next year okay let's see i very much enjoyed the first arc and Mm. again as you Mm. talked about it being something done before when you first mentioned it we talked about the lonely episode of the Mm. twilight zone yeah it's also uh go back to star trek the valentine's day episode of 1969 is called requiem for methuselah where it's also on, on a similar theme and we're only seeing the first act of this play mm-hmm. to date. Mm-hmm. And I think the you're talking about it being gut-wrenching eventually. It's the, So I think, yeah. just as Bobby's saying, perhaps we wait for that payoff. Like I mean, You'd hate to lose that nominee right. next year yeah. for a we're, tremendous book that like everyone can get behind. I'm one arc ahead of everyone. Yeah. So I've seen like all of that buildup that you're talking mm-hmm. about. That, that stuff that's paying off right. is now paying off mm-hmm. in those other issues. Yeah. So with everybody only having read the first five, it's kind mm. of difficult to, right. you know, get yeah. you to see where it's going. Mm. But no, I'm, you know, there's other, I mean, this is ridiculously hard yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, no, I would be content to, I have enough confidence in it to push it to next year because I am 110% positive that when it's over and it's a complete thing that it's going to blow minds. Yeah. I, I will say this. I think that the person who has shown the most passion for a book that's on the outline here is Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very comfortable with, with, with making the fifth a Star Trek book. Against? Well, it would be Multiversity, Winter Soldier, The Bitter March, Sheltered, Hellboy in Hell, and Star Trek City on the Edge of Forever. But what is what is Star Trek up against? Uh, Alex and Ada and what else? And um, Trillium. I haven't read Trillium, mm-hmm. so I can't. I can't speak on it. I'm um, just saying the way you talked about Alex and Ada, the way he talked about Star Trek, and the way Stephanie talked about Trillium, I felt the most passion from Bob in, the, in those arguments. I, like I said, I'm okay with with removing Alex and Ada and, and saving it possibly for next mm. year. Okay. Um, there's always my personal list to yeah. throw it on. So I, with luck in those, are we okay with that? Stephanie, mm. are you okay? Yes. Okay, so yeah, we're okay with I'm that. definitely yeah, I'm on good. board with Hellboy. Yeah, Any absolutely. Hellboy yeah, yeah. is... Wait till you read it. I know, I know Stephanie hates Hellboy, so she wouldn't be happy with that. Uh, <laughs> have you, Steph, have you read uh, In Hell? Uh, no, I haven't, though. Okay. Oh, my God, it's so good. All right, so let's go on to best story arc. Um, Bob, why don't you go first? Oh, I've got to find it. Okay, here we go. Story arc. Ms. Marvel, Urban Legend. Would, would you want to call the first The first is six No issues, Normal. First no, five, normal. no Normal. No is Normal? The, is the official first arc. Okay, so, yeah, I, yeah all right, No Normal. Yeah, okay. No Normal is the official okay. name. Uh, She-Hulk, The Trial of Cap. Okay. And Red Sonia Artisans, I guess you'd call it, 7 through 12. Okay. Trial of Captain America. All right, Steve. Um, I have got Sex Criminals, Volume 1. Okay. Uh, Saga, Volume 4. And Ms. Marvel, No Normal. Okay. Stephanie. I have got... Um, I don't recall what this one was actually called, Bobby, so you're going to have to help me out. Okay. But it's the Forever Evil tie-in to Justice League America, the one with the Stargirl. I think they can just call it that. I don't, I don't exactly know the name of that either, so, yeah. Well, okay. I, yeah. I read that because, again, I wanted to read Stargirl stuff, and I got Stargirl and so much more. Uh, I didn't have to read, you know, everything else prior to it. It was excellent and a great, great, great way to kick off uh, Justice League United. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Miss Marvel is also on mine. Okay. And Coffin Hill Volume 2, Dark Endeavors, which mm. was even better than Volume 1. Ooh. Okay. All right. I need to read that. I'm waiting for the trade. So good. And Steve, you know, and you read the first volume, yeah? I loved it, yeah. So you know how uh, the, the whole thing where Eve uh, becomes like a hero cop. Yes. Because um, she solves a serial killer mm. uh, case that no one could solve. Mm-hmm. And they just talk about that. This is uh, that story mixed with some stuff that's going on in present time. Nice. Uh, so it's amazing. It's all kinds of stuff that was hinted at in the first one and more. Cool. Do we know when that trade's coming out? I feel like it should have been out yep. already. January 27th. There you go. There you go. Um, so for me, Saga Volume 4 mm-hmm. is one of mine. Uh, Ms. Marvel, No Normal is on is on mine. And Black Science, How to Fall Forever is, is one of mine. Ooh. Which is the first volume of Black Science. Okay. So Ms. Marvel is a Ms. Marvel's a sweep, lock. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, um, all right. So uh, I guess we can also go to let's go let's do our wild cards to see if it, it solves anything. Sure. Yeah. Steve. Uh, the Wicked and the Divine, the Faust Act. Okay, Wicked and Divine. Um, Bob? Uh, Silver Surfer, New Dawn. Okay. And Stephanie? I don't have one, but I would be down with Wicked and the Divine. Okay. So Two wicked and divines. Okay, so what, what do we have, Bob? As far as numbers for what's your wild card? What's your wild card? Oh, sorry, deadly class Reagan youth is my is my oh. is my is my wild card. So good. Sorry, I knew it wasn't gonna help anything, so that's why I didn't say. Okay. It uh, the only two we have, not counting wild cards, Saga Volume Four. I, I mean, I, I I think it's I think it's, it's the best. Yeah, I was gonna say it's the arc th- of Saga so far, and that's okay. saying a lot for me. I I don't know. Yeah, Stephanie, are you caught up on Saga? I am. Mm. Except for maybe the lady, I mostly caught up. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, would you do, do you have a your problem with Saga being the second lock here? I do not. Okay, so Saga Volume Four will be the lock. Okay. Um. So now it's two wild card votes for Wicked and Divine first arc. Um. I mean, let's let. I mean, I I don't think I let's talk about it. Let's talk about what we, what, what we have <laughs> because 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 only because it's a wild card ad because it's not just two right. Out, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about what we got here. So that leaves us with um. Let's. Any wild cards that we um, – my deadly class is off because there's no match for it. Same with Surfer. Yeah, same with Surfer. Um, so that leaves us with Weekend Divine, She-Hulk Trial of Captain America, Sex Criminals uh, Volume 1, uh, JLA, uh, the Stargirl arc, um, Coffin Hill, Dark Endeavors, and Black Science, How to Fall Forever. Um, I-, I will say that I am willing – I mean, I love Black Science. I think that first arc is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's an awesome world and a great, crazy science fiction story that deals with with amazing art that that deals with different identities and different dimensions and all this crazy stuff. And I love it. I love how pulpy it is, and I love all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, well, I know that other, I know that Steve enjoyed it. I know that Stephanie has enjoyed it mm-hmm. as well. I know Bob did the first issue, I believe, and enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Um, and I, I feel like it's something I could fight for. I feel like I'm just going to be kind of talking into a, not into a void, but talking into like a, yeah. you know, I'm not, it's tough to fight for it here because I, I'm willing to throw, also throw my, take take away my black science vote and put it towards uh, uh, JLA Stargirl um, as well. Um, just because like, I love, I mean, Sexual Mills is going to be, we're going to talk about Sexual Mills a lot. Yeah. Uh, 
because for, in my brain, just because Sex Criminals began its arc last year, I know we didn't, it wasn't nominated or anything. I know. I struggled with yeah. putting it on here to begin with, but yeah. I just, it does fall into the timeline. Yeah. No, it does. It absolutely does. And that first volume is just... Absolutely true. So good. Absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Um, but I, 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 I love that the Stargirl. I'm, I'm totally cool with Stargirl. I completely forgot about that. I loved that when I, when I read it. Um, I would, I would put more weight behind Star, uh, Stargirl than I would for Black Science. Right. Um, yeah. Black I Science li- is off. We're gonna, we're gonna limit yeah. Black Science. I like Black Science enough, but it's, um, I, I couldn't. I've only read a few. I haven't read the whole arc, but um, I just, I couldn't get into any of the characters mm-hmm. in the in the beginning the world though the art was just phenomenal mm-hmm. um definitely something i want to go back and revisit okay all right so um but, i mean but what, what no, do you no think trouble about... no trouble with star girl whatsoever what little of it i read seemed mm. very entertaining and That's i'm great. a big fan of courtney whitmore so okay so let, let's throw jla star girl on there it's a dark horse i don't know i didn't expect that to happen yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> so what we have left is uh wicked in the divine uh she hulk trial of cap Sex Criminals Volume 1, and Coffin Hill Dark Endeavors. Bob, t- tell us about She-Hulk Trial of Cap. Well, here's the deal for me, despite the fact this has now been canceled. Over the course of, was it three issues of a series that's not his own, you managed to redefine Captain America from a story from 70 years back in his past, all while showing Jennifer Walters as a lawyer and not just the She-Hulk, a great supporting cast, put together by Charles Soule and, and we have Patsy Walker and you bring Matt Murdock into the the fray as well as these people from Cap's past and how we deal with how do you become a hero? And in this case, it's a moment for a very young Steve Rogers doing what he thinks is right and will always continue to do that in some ways is the prompt for him to volunteer to become Captain America. Charming art by Javier Polito, Charles Soule's story, magnificent. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, Steve, did you read You read all of She-Hulk, right? Yes. Okay, what do you think of The Trial of Cap? Oh, I thought it was wonderful. I really did. Um, I, I mean, it's unfortunate because we try to, we do these and then we try to give ourselves all these weeks to read stuff, but we're making our calls now. Um, I haven't read the second um, arc for Coffin Hill I wish I wish that I'd had, mm-hmm. um, but the cap stuff really, really was um, very touching and and a very very interesting look at the character. And even with all of like the legalese and all of that stuff, um, feels different than other stuff that I've read. And I really enjoyed. I I enjoyed it. I thought mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And I think I think Bob's passion for the character and his respect for the character that he's somebody who's been disenchanted with the Captain America character for some time now and has only been able to see glimpses of him and dribs and drabs through other stuff, possibly some of the Hickman Avenger stuff in moments, mm-hmm. not in whole, um, that he's putting this up against stuff that came out 70 years ago really, really speaks to how good it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no problem. I mean, I, I, look, I, I, didn't have a huge connection with She-Hulk when I started reading it, and I've I've gotten it, so I want, I'm going to read it and I'm going to go through it. Um, but like you said, like I'm not incredibly passionate about anything that's left, and so I'm totally fine with She-Hulk Trial of Cap making it on there. Stephanie, what do you think? Sure. Okay, so <laughs> let's lock in She-Hulk Trial of Cap. Um, all right. So let's see, we got that here. All right, so we so we got Saga Volume Four, Ms. Marvel No Normal, JLA Star Girl, She-Hulk Trial of Cap. 
uh, locked in. The ones we have left, um, we have Wicked and Divine, Sex Criminals, Volume 1, and Coffin Hill, Dark Endeavors. So, I, I, I mean, we have two for Wicked and Divine. I mean, that, that seems like that would be the one we'd lock in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if anybody wants to stand up for any other two above getting Wicked and Divine locked in. Because you and Seventy both have one left other than Wicked and Divine. So, right. Sex Criminals and Coffin Hill. Seventy, do you want to fight for Coffin Hill over Wicked and the Divine making it? <sighs> I think it would be hard for me to kind of try and win you guys over with no one else having read volume two. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's a uh, over Wicked and the Divine. Mm. <laughs> Truthfully, like I do enjoy Coffin Hill more than I enjoy the Wicked and the Divine. I look forward to it more because I think it's a little more easy to follow. Wicked and the Divine tends to be, um, it's awesome, but it's also just a lot to process. There's a lot yeah. of characters and a lot of substance. Like it, it's something that you have to go back and read a few times uh, before you really grasp everything. And I think Coffin Hill is just uh, a great read that you can enjoy and kind of just get excited about as you read it. You know, it's not hard to follow. You remember what happened in the last issue. Uh, and I think it's a really great example of a mainstream horror comic uh, that's out right now. Um, I don't – this is like the most non-answer answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a good answer. No, it's a good answer. I mean, I, I want – I think it's good because like we, the reason we do this also is that there's going to be things that don't make it. But maybe people aren't reading Coffin Hill at all. And so maybe mm-hmm. they'll hear your description of it right now. If it doesn't make this list, then they're going to want to read it. So yeah. I mean, that's, and I think yeah. if anyone did read the first volume and thought it was kind of it was good, but like not great, I think the second volume is even better. It's like Saga. The first volume, everyone is Gaga for Saga, <laughs> and uh, that's great. Wow, there's but, a there's a post title. Yeah, yeah. Um, but re- realistically, if I'm being like 100 percent honest, the first volume had a lot of stuff in it, and it wasn't that great. But, like, it gets so much better. Like, the second volume is amazing. The third volume is amazing nerve. And the fourth volume is just like, oh, my God, this is the most amazing. <laughs> and I can't even imagine how it'll continue to progress like that. But um, this, I, I, I don't know if volume three of Coffin Hill will be the same sort of thing, like where each keep getting better and better. But I do know based on volume one and volume two, the second volume is outstanding mm-hmm. so well for me i had read the first three issues and enjoyed them and thought it was a little bit slow but i mm. wanted to have more and monetary issues get in the way in the sense that well this is something i want to read completely in a in a lump and you're looking at 24.95 hardcovers from mm. dc or 1999 trades that are months in the in mm. the making and we're saying the volume, second volume is not due till January now? Yeah. Of Coffin Hill. Yeah. But the yeah. first volume is very cheap, though. I think the 9. first 99. volume is $9.99. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. With their Vertigo stuff, they're doing stuff a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I missed on both counts. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, found, I found it at Heroes in Canada for three bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, look, The Way in the Divine is, it, it, I'm totally fine with it being the, the fifth. It's an insane book with insane art. And yeah. like Stephanie said, it's got that. It's hard to follow at times, but it's doing something pretty special, I think. The characters in that book are so awesome. Yeah. The Lucy character is one of the standout female characters Mm -hmm. of the year. She's Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. Um, Again, I use this word a lot, but conceptually, it's pretty uh, unique in the idea of these gods returning back to Earth for a certain period of time. 
and then them being the victims of their own like something happens mm. uh, they put they get put on trial and their whole their whole existence is questioned mm-hmm. you know and just that the way that that arc ends i i read it the other night cuz i i collected it in singles and then i i dropped off around issue 2 and then i bought i on uh, black friday i picked up the first trade for like 6 bucks and i got to the end and the first thing I did was run into my comic room and flip through my issues to find number six or seven because I could have sworn that mm-hmm. I was farther along than the trade. And when I found out that there hasn't been anything since that, I cursed into the <laughs> night so loudly. Um, I had I had so much fun reading that. And the art is just phenomenal. So are we okay? Saga Volume 4, Ms. Marvel, No Normal, JLA, Stargirl, She-Hulk, Trial of Cap, and The Wicked and the Divine. Those are the Faust Principle. The Faust Act. Faust Act. Yes. We're good with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's go to best new series. Another difficult one. Um, <laughs> they only get harder. Oof. So yeah. best new series. I got, here we go. Um, Black Science, Ms. Marvel, and Deadly Class mm. are, my, are, my, are my top three. Um, Steve. Okay. Uh, I have Ms. Marvel, The Wicked and the Divine, and Gotham Academy. Okay. Bob. Gotham Academy, Ms. Marvel, and Sensation Comics. Okay. Um, Stephanie. I have uh, Gotham Academy, uh, Ms. Marvel, and I had Elektra. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, so I guess Ms. Marvel. Okay. Uh, yeah, we did, I remember that. So Ms. Marvel is locked. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say right now that Gotham Academy was my wild card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we can lock Gotham Academy as well into, into the, into the top two. Um, all right. So we've got those two, Ms. Marvel and Gotham Academy are locked. I don't know why I'm looking. I can't read your handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Black Science, Deadly Class, Wicked and Divine, Sensation Comics, and Electra. And who else? Let's, let's go through, um, uh, let's go through our wild Wild cards. cards. Yes. Steve? Uh, Deadly Class was my wild card. Bob? Okay. Uh, She-Hulk? Okay. And Stephanie Wildcard? Uh, I had Wicked and Divine. Okay. All right. Okay. I think we could say Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah, Ms. Marvel's locked. Okay. Ms. Marvel and Gotham Academy are locked. Nice. Um, so after we did um, Wild Cards, Wicked and Divine and Deadly Class both have Wild Card plus one votes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just put the, I'm, putting, I'm just like separating into like different, a different class, you know, just to, we know what's there. Um, Is it a deadly one? <laughs> <laughs> It was terrible. I'm sorry. It's, it's all right. It's totally all right. Um, so, I mean, I'm just put out there. I'm fine with both of those being locked in, but mm. let, let's let, let's talk about some of the other ones. Um, so we have Black Science, Sensation, Sensation Comics, Elektra, and She-Hulk are on the um, the one vote lists. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, does anybody feel? I mean, let's. There's one. There's one spot left if we if we're gonna say we're gonna include Deadly Class and we're gonna define. So, mm-hmm. it, so let's say Bob has two on there first. So let's let Bob talk about Sensation Comics or She Hulk. Because She Hulk's my wild card. I'm gonna go for my real vote, and it's Sensation Comics, okay. which I backed away from earlier because mm-hmm. this is the spot mm-hmm. for it. Uh, well, along with maybe some other places, but mm-hmm. again, here's. A character that is not being served well for the most part by its corporate overlords. 
It is the most important superheroine ever created, created for a much different reason than all the other, with a much different origin than any other that has been basically crapped on for years, particularly if you're a student of the history of the character. And over the last couple of years, it's been a much different book than it should be from the standpoint of a historian of this character. Here's the character restored to its roots, to the, the principles that Dr. Marston uh, wanted to be displayed, and displayed beautifully every single issue, every page, by tons of different creators who feel the same passion I do for this book and this character. It's sad that its numbers don't reflect that passion in terms of what's what it's selling. I'd like to hope the digital numbers would improve that, but I think there are people who have backed away. So for no other reason than to bring attention to it in this forum that I'll speak crazily about this book mm -hmm. and, and how great it's been to now, this is my spot to do that. And for anyone who wants to understand why Wonder Woman matters and why 75 years later it is still that symbol of equality and freedom and compassion and at this point... Uh, the women's liberation movement and feminine empowerment and all the rest of it, it's in the pages of this comic book. All right. So I'll... <laughs> yeah, I was going to throw some weight behind Electra, which I, I think is absolutely phenomenal, but I don't know how I can argue with that. Yeah, Bob wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just, I mean, so what we're looking at then, if we go by the, the plus votes and then the the mm -hmm. Bob creating his mob for good for a sensation comic <laughs> um, would be Ms. Marvel, Gotham Academy, uh, Deadly Class, The Wicked and the Divine, and Sensation Comics. Yeah, I'm, would be I'm, would be our, yeah. would be our five. I'm totally good with that. Are we seventy? Uh, are you good with that? I am. Okay. Um, I was gonna do a whole thing about Deadly Class. I'm not doing anymore. <laughs> that book is so, so good. <laughs> um, so that was so so crazy. Wow. It's so it's so funny to me because like the ones I always think are gonna be the hardest. Or like it's always that was so easy. Like we got through that so easily. Yeah, I expect that to be a big fight. Rawr, rawr, rawr. Uh, <laughs> you didn't read a lecture yet. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> well, the fact that I think we knocked two of them out instantly. Yeah, helped matters a lot. It did absolutely. It did. I think we've also grown as <laughs> as podcasters and putting these together. This is our third year yeah. doing this. That we know that if something doesn't make it to the final list, that we can represent it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we champion these books all year. Yeah. So it's not like they don't get their due. And it's also like, yeah. look, if there is something that you guys talked about that I didn't think was good enough to be there, then I would make a stink about it. Right. You know. Um. And like I said, like I, I, I'll hold my ground on things I think are the best thing. You know, over other things. But if, if there's something that I've read that I know is good that maybe I just didn't connect with as much, but Bob has this huge passion for it, or you do, or Stephanie does, then there's no reason for me to fight against it. You know, mm -hmm. and also part of it's like oh, I look at the thing and I'm like, okay, well, uh, the one I really want to be on there is already on there, right? You know, the yeah. one I the one I fought I was ready to fight the hardest for it made it, right? You know, so if if I really need to, if I feel like we're gonna get this category is underserved for some reason, which I think is not applicable, then I'll fight against it. You know, which is why I asked Bob the question: Do you think the Star Trek thing holds up uh, outside of nostalgia? Right. You know, that's important questions to ask. But yeah. I mean, look, there's the, the the Ms. Marvel, Gotham Academy, Deadly Class, Wicked and the Vine. And Station Comics are all great series. Yeah. You know, um, would I love Black Science to be on there? Sure. But Ms. Marvel and Deadly Class are both on there, which are both books that I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. So there we go. All right. So that's going to wrap up show number two uh, for Talking Comics Best of 2014. 
Please get in touch with us, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com, at TalkingComics on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash TalkingComics. My personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at Dead underscore Anchors. Uh, Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. Bob? Bob Reiner at TalkingComicBooks.com. Awesome. So that's going to do it. Um, Stay tuned next week when we're going to talk about best artist, best writer, best ongoing series, and best overall comic of the year. Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, for Steve. Happy New Year. Bob. Don't drink and drive. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>